All right, everybody, we welcome you back in. Greg Davis here, PriorityTalkRadio.com, and uh, always our pleasure to welcome in the president of Homeward, uh, Jim Burns. And, of course, uh, he's a family expert and uh, an author, radio host, guys doing it all, trying to help us uh, out with our marriages and our family. And uh, he's done it again. Uh, Jim, good to have you with us, man. Hey, great, great to be with you again. It's great. Love Always. Well, in the past and look forward to today. That's right. Last time he was with us, we were talking marriage, and today we're going to talk teens. And so uh, <laughs> he's got the new book <laughs> out, folks. Yes, yes, very complicated. If you can get us any uh, measure of understanding, then you've done something. Uh, trying to understand, uh, yeah, both of those. Understanding your teen is the new book, Shaping Their Character, Facing Their Realities. It, it really, folks, is a must-read. If you've got, uh, you know, you got if you've got teenagers or if you're nearing about to have teenagers, this is a must must read for you. If you work with teenagers at church, uh, any of that kind of stuff, then uh, you really need to get this one and uh, and and really dig in and study this generation. Homeward.com is uh, where you can always find out more about Jim and all of his uh, works and books. And so, uh, Jim, tell us uh, why did you come in on this? You've written so many books. When's the last time you wrote one specifically on teens? No, this is actually uh, my first okay. in terms of the, uh, the first time I did it. I, I actually, I mean, I've written books on youth ministry about yep. teens. I wrote my Ph.D. on teens um, in England where I got my Ph.D. But this, I waited. I wanted to wait till my kids got out of their teen years because, uh, you know, for Kathy and I, you know, literally our life has been trying to help kids, uh, teenagers make good decisions and their parents uh, kind of hold on. And yet, for us, you know, our, the teenagers weren't always easy for our kids. I mean, they went through changes. They went through doubts in their faith. They struggled with issues with identity, and, um, you know, it wasn't necessarily smooth sailing. And so I thought, you know what, I need to – I've been learning – I know principles, but I'm living it. Right. I waited. And so this was the perfect time for me to to, uh, to write this book, and I've been wanting to do it for years. Yeah, well, I knew you had so many books on youth ministry, but I didn't remember one because I've read many of your books over yeah. the years. and. Yeah. I didn't remember one on teens, but I thought maybe I may have missed it. Well, look, it's different now. Uh, if you've got teenagers, uh, certainly if your grandkids are teenagers, it is a different uh, world. Uh, it, you know, it, everything you knew as a teenager, uh, as far as on on the outside, it's different than it was when we were coming up. Is that right? Well, I think it is. The I mean, principles I maybe are there, but, but what it looks 11. like. Yeah, I mean, I oftentimes say we were 11, you know, 13, 15, 17. We were never their age because they experienced so much so young. And so, again, it, you know, do you still have peer pressure? Sure. Did you did you have, you know, sexual temptation, you know, back in the uh, old days? Sure, of course. Today it's just more intense, and, you know, things are more prevalent. For example, you take pornography. Um, today the average kid will see pornography by age 11, and the greatest new users are, are teen boys, 12 to 17. Uh, that's the greatest new users, you know, in the in any age, and then uh, girls are right behind them. So again, those are those are things that have changed. And so as parents, we have to be students of the culture. Even you mentioned grandparents, Greg, and you're so right because even as grandparents, you know, we we have to. I, I'm a grandparent of a two year old, so I sure don't know the teen thing yet with our little James. But you know, we have to be students of the culture in which they're growing up in, and it is different. And uh, and so we have to parent differently. That doesn't mean we parent in a loose manner or whatever, or, or too lenient, but we do have to be aware of what the issues are, and uh, that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book. Yeah, and one of the things you talk about is, uh, like me, uh, gen I'm Generation X, and that was sort yeah. of the latchkey generation, and uh, and you go on and talk about how many in Generation X felt sort of, uh, you know, alone, parents weren't as connected, and then, you know, the term helicopter parent, that came around for a reason, didn't it? 
exactly. So what happened was, you know, both baby boomers and Generation X, uh, they were, you know, their parents were, in some ways, their parents were not putting as much time or energy into it. And there was a good part and a bad part now that we look back at it. Well, what happened was, you know, overcompensation like crazy, especially with the, with, with your generation. And uh, the overcompensation meant that we became helicopter parents. I mean, literally, I, and I talk about this in the book. I tell a story about a friend of mine who's the president of a university, and his, his, uh, he gets a call from a, a woman whose son is at the university. And she said, you know, I want you to check in with the business professor because my son uh, got a D on a paper, and it was an A paper. And so, you know, the president doesn't usually do this, but he goes over and says, hey, what's, what's going on? And the guy said, oh, it was an F paper. It was terrible. I gave him a D. You know, I was, I was giving him grace. Yeah. And uh, so he calls the woman back and says, well, you know, he said it wasn't a really good paper. <laughs> she goes, I went to Stanford. I have an MBA, and I wrote that paper. Uh. <laughs> and it's the kind of thing that that's what a helicopter parent does. So the problem becomes that there becomes a failure to launch. So one of the things we talk about in terms of understanding a team is we've got to let them fail. We've got to let them um, you know, be responsible. I oftentimes say you've got to take the monkey off of your back and place it squarely on the kids' back, especially as teens, because what you're trying to do is not just get through the teen years. You're trying to raise responsible adults, and I would add, who love God. So if that's the case, um, you know, we do have to parent differently than, than uh, a previous generation, but we can't be the helicopter parents. Yeah, and it's two different mindsets. We say that all the time, is you're not raising kids, you're raising adults. Uh, that yeah. That's your goal, is to raise an adult who loves God. You're exactly right. That's what they need. Uh, that's what your family needs, and that's what our nation needs. We need uh, we need yeah. another generation who knows and loves God, and so you do have to think differently about it. And so that's really what you do in the book, uh, part one. You talk about parenting teens to become responsible adults and uh, just understanding them. Uh, you go through uh, developmental stages, which if you've never studied those, uh, maybe in a sociology class or something like that, they are so true. Um, and uh, but then you, you talk about uh, character as well. How, how do you shape their character? Speak to that. Well, you know, I think one of our biggest jobs is to, is to shape character without, cr- without crushing it. So, you know, how do you shape behavior? How do you uh, help them make wise choices without crushing their character? And, you know, I, I think part of that goes back to giving them the responsibility. And then even if they fail, Greg, you say, you know what? Um, there's consequences to that, and then you give them the responsibility right back again to say, you know what, I believe in you. You can do it better this time, and you know you, you continue to do it. But one of the things I see when in shaping behavior without crushing their character is we sometimes don't lead. You know, par- you know, all leaders, whether it be in the bi- world of business or ministry or at home, they have to lead with with love. What I say, love, purpose, and authority. And so I think as parents, we sometimes are letting our kids you know, run the show. And so as a parent, leading doesn't mean that you, the best bosses are not people who scream, yell, shout, bark. You know, these are people who lead with authority. And so, we, you know, we give them some phrases. Uh, we give parents phrases like, hey, you know, if I was your age, I might feel the same way when they're in a conflict. I've mm. said that to my kids for years. Right. If I was your age, I might feel the same way. Then the big word, nevertheless. It can either be three or two words, but nevertheless, here's how it's going to be. And so this is where the hammer comes down, not yelling, but the hammer says, I get it. I understand your age, but nevertheless, you know, I'm the authority here. Here you go. And, and then we also have to teach them during that time period that, you know, life isn't fair. Uh, if they don't learn it when they're teens, they're going to have to, you know, have a rude awakening when they're adults because life isn't fair. So, you know, when kids say, well, that's not fair, well, I get it. Yeah. It may not be fair, but, you know, you'll get a, you'll get a shot at it. 
Um, my wife and I are laughing at that because we had a, our daughter Christy, who's awesome, has a two-year-old, and uh, we were talking last night at dinner with her uh, and her two-year-old, who's just driving her crazy, who's the greatest kid, but just you know terrible twos or whatever. And yeah. we're laughing because we said, you know, in the teenage years, you drove us crazy, and also when you were two, you drove us crazy, and you know now it's coming back at her. So, so you take a little joy, not joy, but. Uh... <laughs> Uh, kind of like, hey, good to see that because you put us through that. <laughs> That's true. Absolutely. Huh? There is. I just want to tell you that sometimes he leaves and because he's like, oh, my gosh, you guys, I appreciate you so much. We're like, bring it on because you didn't do that when you're a teen. You know, she's going, ah, you guys were great parents. We're going, is this the same kid that said, uh, you know, uh, everybody thinks you guys are cool, except I don't. And let me tell you why. <laughs> oh, very good. Uh, well, you talk about uh, in raising our teens to become responsible adults. Uh, Jim Burns, Understanding Your Teen is the name of the, the new book. And um, you talk about sexuality. You talk about media, uh, preparing our kids for college, communication, all of these things. Uh, but to our best um, ability, with God's help, uh, we still will have troubles with our teen. And some of our teens will actually be troubled. Uh, before we go to break, just... Give a word out there to the parent who maybe is dealing with a troubled teen. Well, first of all, I would say that really good parents have kids who make poor choices. Right. And so sometimes, Greg, they, they have, you know, they are their kid is making poor choices, and we call that a troubled teen. And there really is hope for troubled teens. You know, troubled teens, when parents get them the help that they need, the Bible says where there is no counsel, the people fall. Uh, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. When you give kids who are even troubled in one way or another, whatever that however you define that. If you give them the help that they need, typically, you know, they're going to come through and they're going to have a bump in the road. They'll have a scar. They'll have a bruise, whatever it is. But I really do believe this. A lot of parents take on all of the problems themselves when, in fact, it's not, you know, their kid is uh, a kid who's, as a teenager, is making, you know, some poor choices, but it it doesn't have to uh, be that way and it doesn't have to be as long. And, And, you know, there's great things that Today, there's great help for teens who are, who are in trouble, and we kind of give them through all the different options on what to do with a child who, you know, who really is struggling, and, or maybe they're struggling with that child. Yeah, this book is outstanding, folks. Like, I've got two teenagers myself. I've been working with teens uh, for all of my adult life, basically, in youth ministry, and uh, this one is outstanding. You need to check it out if you've got teens or teens on the way. Uh, Jim Burns, and you want to go to Homeward, H-O-M-E-W-O-R-D, Homeward. Dot com And uh, we'll link that all up at our uh, homepage and our social media for you as well. So it'll be there for you. And uh, you can easily find the book with a, uh, well, it's not a smiley face. What do you call that on the front? I like to give a picture of the, uh, tell people what the cover it's looks an like. Emoji. So, uh, it's an emoji. No, yeah, laugh. kind of a straight-faced yeah, emoji. emoji. So we, yeah, we, you know, they didn't want to put a picture of uh, my beautiful face on it. So we decided we'd put an emoji because that's what teens are about. Yep. And today they're looking down on their phones, you know, communicating because that's how they do it. Outstanding, and uh, endorsed by Jim Daly, uh, folks on the family, Chip Ingram, all folks that you've heard or hear on our program. Uh, Let's go to break, and uh, we'll come back on the other side and sort of continue with the conversation and uh, get into some of the common teen issues, what we can do as parents. Uh, Jim hits so many different um, subjects in this book. We'll pick a few of them and sort of address them for you. Uh, PriorityTalkRadio.com right here on The Truth, everybody. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more with Jim Burns. All right, everybody, we're back in. More with Jim Burns. His new book, Understanding Your Teen, is outstanding. Of course, he's a uh, family and uh, parenting expert. Uh, been doing it for decades now. I don't, Jim, I'm not trying to make you old, but 
uh, you've been doing it for a while, which comes with a lot of wisdom. Uh, and uh, he's also a radio host, author, and uh, we always enjoy having him on the program. And we're talking teens today, uh, shaping their character, facing their realities. And uh, you've got a hashtag here going, uh, Jim. Uh, hashtag, my parents were never teenagers. Uh, tell us the uh, the thought behind it. Well, just that uh, they weren't the teen. It's what I kind of said earlier. Yeah, that, it is. That, you know, the, the thing we've got to understand is that, sure, we were teenagers, but we weren't teenagers like they were teenagers. Um, for example, I was speaking in Richmond, Virginia. You know, there was a season, Greg, as with you in terms of youth ministry, there was a season where I'd speak to about a quarter million kids a year. And, uh, and I still love doing it. It's funny. And, and you mentioned I am old. I'm 64 years old. And, you know, but, and still my eyes light up when I'm around teens. But um, I was speaking to kids just recently, and that's not what I typically do in terms of the requests that come in. We typically move it to parents now. And, and uh, I said to them, how many of you uh, believe it's possible to be addicted to Instagram, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat? And all 800 kids, of course, raised their hand. I said, how many of you are addicted? You know, and, and 798 yeah. <laughs> to, you know, who still were probably on their phones didn't put their hands up. But, you know, the point being is we weren't, we, you know, we had our issues. We weren't addicted to the incredible media that is at, at such a young age. You know, I said the thing earlier in the, you know, in the first segment about pornography. I mean, you know, for me, it would have been going to a theater, which I never went to, but going to a theater or looking at a Playboy magazine, which, you know, wasn't as prevalent today. It's instantly in front of them, much more graphic. And so, again, we weren't teenagers like their teenagers today, and yet there's also some incredible positive things that are going on with teens, incredible positive things. So there's two parallel tracks that are just more intense than, you know, when, uh, when parents were teenagers. Yeah, absolutely, no doubt about it. Uh, in the second part of the book, you talk about common issues, and, of course, uh, what you're saying there ties into all of that, of course. Uh, but just some of the common issues, and I know you weren't able to take on everything every issue. It's not an exhaustive list. Uh, you admit that right up front. But you do cover quite a, uh, you know, quite a realm of issues. Um, and I want to pick out some that maybe a couple here that we probably don't talk about on our show as much. I mean, we talk about cyber uh, bullying and bullying. And, you know, we talk about dating and, you know, some of those kind of things, uh, self-injury. Those are all, you know, those grab a lot of headlines. But uh, even thing and, and drug and alcohol abuse, but even things like eating disorders and, and overweight yeah. and obesity. Just speak to a couple of those issues, because that's not something we probably uh, focus on a lot. Well, when, when you really start looking at it, uh, it's an unbelievable statistic when it talks about the amount of young girls who have some kind of an eating disorder. And remember, an eating disorder can be something where they uh, have bulimia or anorexia, which are the key eating disorders that people talk about but also overeating is a just is an eating disorder so you've got a you know a whole country that <laughs> struggles right. with this but with kids i kind of call it uh, as you mentioned you talked about self-injury but i kind of call self-injury which would be more the cutting and stuff and eating disorders as kind of the christian way of uh, dealing with issues sometimes hmm. so you, a lot of kids will uh have an eating disorder and it's not just uh, young women but it's a lot more young women than men and a lot of them will uh you know, have body image issues and they have a real poor, say, self-image, but they might be very disciplined in other areas. And so, you know, this is something as parents is we've got to really look out for uh, kids who are struggling with, with some kind of an eating disorder because, you know, again, a lot of times it's the good kids. These aren't, these aren't bad kids, but they've got some stuff that they're, that they're dealing with. And so we've got to at least look at, you know, 
as as parents, we can't be in denial. We've got to be able to look at you know just what what are these kids going through, and uh, what kind and and then decide what kind of an eating disorder is it. For example, anorexia. You basically are are literally starving yourself to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, where with bulimia, what you'll do is kids will and they learn this from their friends is they'll you know they'll eat something and then they'll figure out how to vomit it, it up right. or they'll um, you know take a X lax and try to make it come out the other way and uh, they see that as a as a you know losing weight both are horrible things to do to your body period and so as parents we've got to look at that then also if kids are, are overweight um, you know that's really dangerous to their health and today's teenagers are struggling with you know overweight and obesity but I think they need to see they need to know the symptom what I did was I just made a list the symptoms of anorexia the symptoms of bulimia, and it kind of gives parents a better understanding of what's going on and why. Uh, and, you know, they can go online and look at it. They can look at our, at our book um, and, and see this kind of stuff. But parents should become aware of it, period. And even parents of young men, because, again, the the greatest increase is with men uh, than it is with gr- women, although a lot more women have an eating disorder than men. Yeah, you do see it among uh, guys, though, as well. Uh, many times it's related yeah. to sports or things like that, trying to lose weight, gain weight. Yeah. And so yeah. you do see yeah. it there as well, a lot of pressure, uh, not just from a, a physical appearance. That's part of it, but sometimes it's a performance as well with boys and girls. Uh, and, and, you know, it's horrible that we even have to bring this up, but you address it in the book, and it's it's in the headlines every single day, but it's sexual abuse. Uh, I, yeah. I would dare say we've got uh, a higher percentage of teens that have, you know, been been a victim of sexual abuse than maybe ever before, in any of our lifetimes. Uh, speak to it to the parents. Uh, how do, what do we look well, for? I, what do we do? I mean, right. Well, first of all, what a, when a parent has to understand is that one out of three young women today, by the time they're 19, will be sexually abused. And, you know, that's the latest statistic out of the Center for Disease Control in in Atlanta. One out of five, one out of six men. I mean, that's a sobering. Mm subject right there. I mean, think about it. I mean, you think about, you know, a table at school or something, you go one, two, three, boom, you know, that one's, you know, it's just unbelievable. And some people actually, I'm being somewhat uh, hopeful in terms of the one out of three. There are people now saying it's even more, um, and they're going to include sexting and all the other issues that really truly are probably under the sexual abuse issue. So as parents, we, a couple of things. One is we've got to be able to talk to our kids about this. You know, we've got to be able to talk to them about sex. I mean, the when you think about sex, we we sometimes say, well, don't do it, and then there's silence. Well, that's horrible. We need to be able to say, talk about the beauty of sex, the fact that God created sex in their life, uh, purity, integrity. But the other thing that parents have to do is say, hey, if anybody touches you in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable or shows you a picture that makes you feel uncomfortable, even if you know them, because a lot of child sexual assaults are with people that 80% are with people that they know. Um, that is not okay, and we will come alongside of you, and we won't get mad at you and things like that. Well, now you're preventing some of the sexual abuse because a lot of sexual abuse happens because uh, kids have never known how to say stop, no, you know, whatever. And so we've got to teach them those tools. Then we also have to help them understand that if they've been sexually abused, that it's not their fault. Right. They're going to blame themselves. They're going, oh, gosh, I was wearing this revealing you know, blouse or you know, whatever. Um, you know, I was in a in compromising situation. Well, it wasn't that compromising. It's always the fault of the of the abuser, and uh, and frankly, there is hope. And actually, God cares. But a lot of times, even on the God part, Greg, a lot of especially girls, if they've been abused by a, a by a male figure, and sometimes an older male figure, a, mm-hmm. a stepdad, a older older 
you know, stepbrother, things like that. Um, you know, they have a real problem with God. Well, for one thing, if they've been abused, they have a real problem with God because they'll say, you know, why did God do this? So their their idea of even the God picture, you know, I, I said to a young woman, oh my gosh, it was about a month ago, uh, she was telling me her situation, and, and I said, you know, what's the shortest verse in the Bible? I knew she would know it. She goes, Jesus wept. I said, Jesus weeps at your the abuse that took place in your life. Because I wanted her to understand that our God cares deeply for that. He didn't, he's not, he didn't look the other way. And that, you know, in a fallen world, stuff like that's going to happen. Yeah. So as parents, you know, we have to understand that, you know, when our kids have had this, it traumatizes the way they do relationships. It traumatizes uh, so many things. For example, 10% of the student population, teenage population, will experience some time in their life gender identity confusion, when I say in their life, in their teenage life. So, you know, that's really changed. You don't right. have 10% of the kids at your church who care about the uh, theology of baptism. You've got 10% are going through some gender identity. Well, a majority of the people who have strong gender identity issues have been, been abused in one way or another. Yep. Well, you know, it begins to make sense when, you know, a male figure has been, you know, abusing a woman that she goes to the nurturing side of another woman, even though it's not that she is, she's not a lesbian, but she's, she gets kind of sucked into something because she's, she, you know, she's looking at the male figure going, you know, what on earth did you, you know, you're not safe. And so it's really complicated. Yeah, it really is. Uh, you talk about these issues and so many more, and uh, we're just about out of time. Um, but um, folks, look, uh, you're getting this kind of expertise, uh, talking about uh, depression and dinner time and uh, driving in your teens, um, even give a little sample uh, covenant you can make with your teenagers when it comes to driving. Of course, uh, talking about suicide, how to deal with tragedy, and sleep. My goodness, Jim, uh, 30 seconds. How important is sleep to the teenager? That helps a lot of things, doesn't it? It's, it really does. And it's at epidemic stages where kids aren't getting sleep, and it's because mainly of this thing that is actually, I'm looking at it on my desk, it's called the mobile device. Yep. And uh, you know, parents have to make sure that they create a media-safe home because their kids do need sleep. And if they don't get good sleep, then they make poor choices a lot of times, and it's as simple as you know, getting more sleep. Yeah, uh, and, and it is so important. And the sleep, it's, it's more important for them when they're teenagers and even as you become adults. Uh, the sleep is so critical in their life. Uh, Jim Burns, uh, the name of the book is Understanding Your Teen Homeward.com. And, uh, Jim, quickly, when they go to your website, my goodness, uh, you guys are doing such a great job there. Uh, tell folks about uh, all the uh, the free resources and, and, and what you do there on the website. We, we go to it all the yeah, time. Lots of, lots of great free resources. You know, we focus on strong marriages, confident parents, empowered kids, healthy leaders, and there's lots of great resources there. We send out a culture brief every Friday. We send yep. out over 7 million in a year. Uh, people can pick that up by, you know, getting all those free resources. We send out, we, I have a blog. We have great articles. Uh, Humbert also has you know, resources that people can pick up at the same price as an Amazon. Great, you know, books and resources on on marriage, parenting, uh, kid stuff. Well, and your your but, e uh, your daily email devotional. Uh, I know you write a lot of those, but I don't think you write all of them. But boy, they're outstanding. They're they're one of my favorite. Absolutely, uh, your daily devotionals. Well, you. I get them and I read them practically every day. Uh, really, really okay. good stuff. Uh, Jim Burns, and we'll look forward to having you back anytime, sir. God bless you. Okay, thanks. Thank Great. you for Take your care. work. Bye -bye. Yes, sir. All righty.